0: So tonight, Barcelona, one who's going to preach here is a dear friend we met almost 30 years ago, and he had started a church in Cape Town, and I went there as a guest speaker. I don't know why I went to his church, because I'd never met him before. In those days, I'd, I would never go to any church of anybody I don't know. And I went to preach at his church, and when I met him and his wife, my wife and I knew we are meeting people who are not only going to be ministry friends, but are going to be dear family friends. And for the 30 years, we've walked the walk as friends, as colleagues, as advisors to each other. We pray for one another. We confide in each other. He knows our stuff. I know his stuff. And should I ever do anything that you don't understand, you go to these my two fathers, and you go to this, my friend, Bishop Charlo, and you tell him about me. And he's uh, the CDR pastor. He's Bishop of Gospel Rama Church, a ministry with an intense focus on church planting, leadership development, and strong emphasis on encouraging people. I know he's looking at me. He doesn't want me to read this. Oh, sorry. I won't read it then, my friend. You, yeah. <laughs> I see it in your eyes. and. I had the privilege of officiating at his children's weddings, and he officiated at our son's wedding. I still have more, one more to go, my friend, are for you to officiate at the wedding, and my friend. He's a man that I really love, that God is using not only in our nation, but in the Francophone world. He travels the world, takes me along to these French-speaking countries to go and speak at conferences. Someone that I really love and I really admire. And I'm grateful that you are here, my dear friend. And before I welcome Dr. Chalo, I also wanted to mention, Bazalana, tonight we have a, another visitor. And, and I, don't, I need to say this, and I know I'm taking time. But I've got to say this. When I went to Bible school in 1980, I was from the Dutch Reformed Church, and I went to an, a Pentecostal Bible school, the Apostolic Faith Mission, in Sosanguwe. And... Some of the people there, unfortunately, for whatever reason, didn't receive me well because they didn't think my salvation was real, Dr. Kumbi. Because I came from a mainline church. But we we didn't receive a good welcome from many of the students who were in school. But there are two people who stand out or three people who stand out for me. is Pastor Thomas Liremi. In venda, is Pastor James Mchulela, who is inspired, and it is the man who's here tonight with his daughter, uh, Masichaba Muruti uh, Muli Mosutwadi, all the way from Lesotho. Muruti, you have to forgive me, but I'm going to ask you to stand, sir, with your daughter. Can you stand, Masichaba? I want to thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. This man. This man showed great love to me and I think I've told you that in a place where I felt like an outcast and I felt like I didn't belong. You, you embraced me even if sometimes, but you embraced me and you loved me and I thank you for being here tonight and may God bless you sir. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. Without any further ado, Bazalona, let's stand on our feet and welcome to the podium, Bishop Charlo Kachunga. Well, well,
1: well, well, what a church. Oh my word. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah! Well, well, well. I thought people from Grace Bible Church would be excited because KZ Chief is not doing well. But it seems like most of you are supporters of KZ Chiefs in secret. So if you are not, give praise to God in a crazy way. Hallelujah. Doc, at least Doc says he's born again because he's the chips. So we are the two of us. What a joy. My friends, your wife is becoming younger and younger. Um, What a shock. We will talk privately. <laughs> so, before we we sit and then share the words, let me say something that happened to me this afternoon. I'm praying and minding my own business, and there's a knock on my door. So, you know, when you pray that level, you think Jesus has arrived. <laughs> And uh, so, I stopped praying quickly to welcome the Lord. And it wasn't. And I go, sorry, 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 we thought it was Dr. Elijah's room, so, Ntate, you invaded my space. (laughs) Uh, We will talk privately. Because I know you're you my neighbor. So we'll deal with it. And then, Dr. Ngumbe, uh it's good to see you finally. i have heard a lot about you. And this is a genuine man. You know, he's not saying it because he's on a pulpit. He talks a lot about you. Even his private capacity. So it's good to see you in attendance. And uh, we just hope... As we also age, we will do the same. Preach to younger people through our lives. Well done. Well done. Well done. So, my friend, congratulations. We have said it many times privately and publicly. You are an amazing, amazing leader. An amazing, amazing uh, your life itself, even without preaching, is a preaching. You know, to to watch you over the years, consistency, uh, handling power in humility, is not given to many. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but you are you're an amazing, amazing person. Probably my favorite time is when we travel, the two of us, and we spend hours and hours just talking. That speaks to my heart more than anything else. And thank you for inviting me again. You know, we're on the phone talking about this conference. And I told him, if you don't invite me, I will invite myself. <laughs> So, I can afford the etiquette and I know where the church is. Uh, So, thank you. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, our God, what a joy. We sang a song just reminding ourselves how faithful you are. All our lives you have been faithful. And Father, you know our lives have not been always straightforward. The things we did, we, did, we are ashamed of. The things we should have done, we didn't do. But through it all, you have been faithful. Thank you for not quitting on us. Thank you for trusting us when we, don't, we didn't trust ourselves. I thank you for the most amazing wisdom, the creation of the church, people from all walks of life coming together as brethren. Tonight, oh God, here we are to share on one of the most important topics in the Bible, work. So help us, Lord, to communicate your word in a very simple way that even a child will understand. But anoint us enough that this will not just be information, it will be transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, you maybe, sir. Now. Uh, I'm joining a number of colleagues and fathers who have preached already uh, before our conference started on Wednesday, already today is Friday, and uh, in two days, many things can be said. So I'm not standing here pretending that I'll bring something that nobody spoke about because I've learned uh, repetition is the secret. So, if I say what they've said already, pretend you're hearing it for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, just to to support this preacher. Now, um, a presiding bishop has been inspired to look at what's going on. The back end of COVID, we are just trying to get back on track. And the fear and the loss of jobs and society that is disintegrating itself and many more things. Then he, he thought, how about talking about work at the level of Christians? And then I began to read carefully uh, the theme of our uh, world explosion. Working while well, it's still time, so there's a sense of urgency to the topic, and God never hurries people if He doesn't see something coming. We are in the very last moments of this dispensation, and something bigger than the homegoing of Queen Elizabeth might happen. The whole of last week, this week we are reflecting on a gentleman who was taken too young, without dignity, beaten to death, Steve Biko. And then our nation is on a volcano. Things are brewing. At political level, economic, our finances are not looking well. And when the minister of finance says we are in danger, that should be a point of concern. And then you pray, Lord, what do you say? And you begin to understand that when the systems of this world don't work, The last hope is the church. So you are not here just to sit and sing and feel good. You are here because God entrusts you with responsibility. The Bible is an amazing book, it talks about work too much much the theology of work the biblical understanding of work is, is just everywhere by the way i know you're a bible reader your very very first verse is work in the beginning god what the bible is teaching you in the beginning god was not sitting to be worshipped he was working And as the Bible begins to close its writings in the book of Revelation, the same God of Genesis 1-1 shows up in Revelation, where the Bible says God is remaking a new heaven and a new earth. God is working again. So, he works at the Genesis, he works at Revelation, and we are between Genesis and Revelation. If God works... What should you do? Tell your neighbor, welcome to the world of work. (laughs) So, I'm going to talk today briefly. You know, the brief of Pentecostal can be problematic, but I'll try to be a Christian, you know, and then talk briefly. So, let's turn our attention to the book of John chapter 9 as we talk about meaningful work. So our theme tonight is meaningful work, and I want to rummage into these things. But let's let's read our anchor text. I'll take from verse 1 to 4, and I'm reading from NIV. Talking about Jesus, the Bible says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work. Not I, we. You who are asking questions, you have to graduate from asking questions to doing something about the question you are asking. You cannot sit here and ask why our nation is going the way it's going. The must come a time where you stop asking why the nation is going the way it's going and say, so What can you do about the nation? It's not enough to ask questions why Soweto doesn't prosper. When you are in Soweto, it's time to go. We must do the works while it's still there, Now Jesus is bringing this thing of work and saying, it's not Father God, it's not me, it's not some qualified people who do the work, it is us. Together. We have to do the work. Now the Bible talks a lot about work. A lot. As I told you. Book after book after book after book, it's, it's, it's work. Even life itself teaches us that, We work all the time. Even if we don't know. Did you realize that for you to bring babies in this world, you must work? There's work everywhere all the time. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't know it was church. You know, I thought, oh, sorry, Lord. So life, every place you turn, It teaches us its work. But now again, this is the issue. There are meaningless work in the Bible. A lot of it. And there are meaningful work in the Bible. I don't want to talk about meaningless work that Solomon is talking about, waking up in the morning to go get some 50,000 rand and then spend on debts that you have, and go back again? Uh, You invited me, I might as well talk. (laughs) So there's an old idea about work that most of us don't know of. We will try to introduce us to, to those thoughts. How do you know that you're doing meaningful work? everything starts with a question. And I want you to read with me that question. What is the state of your environment after your intervention? I don't know if you have my slides. If they're there, you can put if they're not. Yes, they're there. Just go to the next slide so that they can... Yes. Thank you. Follow me as I follow Christ. (laughs) Now, if you want to summarize the whole theology of work in the Bible, it's this simple question. What is the state of my environment after my intervention? Whatever you touch, whatever you do, Wherever you are, if it doesn't become better because of you, you haven't worked. Your intervention should move the needle to the right. So therefore, God begins to struggle with his people because they are deputies, and uh, they don't really connect much with the host nation, and God is telling them, if you want things to go well for you, one, seek the well-being of a place who have planted you. Two, pray for that place. But what did Christians do? We changed the whole thing. We pray for places. We don't seek the well-being. We cannot be millions of Christians in an environment with the portals everywhere. Oh, you're too quiet. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit when your roof has been leaking for two years and nothing have been "Oh I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm, I have your address. <laughs> uh, because the whole idea about work, God says, "Watch me. When I came into this thing, I found chaos. But after my intervention, the earth was in its place, waters in its place, light in its place, everything was fixed because when I work, I improve. I'm learning that tonight, if I didn't tell you anything, think about the question what is the state of my, my environment? my intervention it's abnormal for me to be a child of God when people come visit my house they have to jump over ports (laughs) this is church too Now, if one God fixed the world, how about 5,000 Christians? Yeah. So therefore, a presiding bishop thought, maybe we spoke about a lot of stuff except the most important thing. Let Christian work again. Let, let Christian work again. Because in kingdom economy, work always trump prayer. Always. How do you know that the work you are doing is meaningful? The first sign that your work is meaningful it's when it's transforming chaos into order. (laughs) Write it down. The nature of meaningful work, it's always transforming chaos into order. We will get it there. So, a friend at the back, please work with me. Thank you so much. That's the first thing you know. So when the Bible is calling us to do work, it's not calling us to do any kind of work. It's calling us to do meaningful work. And meaningful work, the first thing that make a difference between meaningful work and meaningless work is wherever you are, because of you, chaos goes out of the window or that comes back. Oh, we don't have time to talk about these things. They're heavy, my bishop. The little story that you read in John 9, it's a heavy story. Use you, your imagination. The, these parents are members of a church, right? The child is born blind. Jesus' apostles are asking a question that represents the perspective of society. Who sinned? Have you been in a situation where nothing works for you and people, instead of understanding you, they're trying to find sin in your life? I'm preaching to the wrong church. Have you been holy enough and yet there's no brother showing up I'm just telling the truth. And when brother doesn't show up, the well-meaning sisters who are ill-informed think there's something wrong with you. But Jesus goes, no, no, no. You cannot be my disciple. If your thinking is out of whack, there's no sin here. There's the glory of God. How would your family know that God is powerful if He doesn't flake His muscle through you to fix the unfixable? I have a friend, his life was not easy. His dad left his mom when he was only two and his brother was just a baby. And the mother worked as a domestic worker all her life. We Went to the same school and on vacation, we would not go on vacation because he left to work as, you know, a gardener or anything to, to get money to pay his, for his fees. And as the story goes, the guy ended up to be minister in government but his baby brother doesn't understand and one time he's really, really angry and I'm coming in there and he goes, but this guy doesn't understand that we had no name I've tried my best to make a name out of this family I came to preach to someone that the story of your family it's you That's that's what it is. You might come from a place where there's no name. But through your work, through your work, through your work. You know, I ask questions and then, you know, we're spending time with my friend and the family. He said, come to my home, see where I grew up. And then all the sisters were there and then we're talking. Then I asked them, how do you feel to, to be Bishop Sono's sisters? I, 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 you know, in your heart when, you know, You just think, you know, that handsome, powerful, you know, international guy is, is my brother. How do you feel? Well, it's a family secret. Some of them lied to me, I knew they were lying. All those who told me we don't feel anything, liar. But he has a bold sister. She goes, it feels good. (laughs) Now God is telling you today, when you get into transforming chaos into order, it feels good. It feels good. Good But how do we come to that? When you study your Bible, the first thing you discover, nobody works for real if they don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling something here. Number one is care. We will get it right. This is the story. We're sitting with some friend and then we are thinking about starting a university. It's a big project. We're working in it. And then it's time to put all the directors and who is this and that. And I told them, gentlemen, this is a no brenner We cannot vote someone else as a chairperson on this project because we don't feel and care about this vision more than the visionary. Nobody works beyond his capacity to care. You want to know if your work is meaningful? Ask yourself, am I caring about my church? Am I caring about my family? Am I caring about my country that's really what is going on in Soweto bother me as long as you don't care it is meaningless work because work is always driven by passion and care So therefore you begin to hear words like moved with compassion, he did something. Seeing what was going on, Nehemiah went into fast and pray. Because care is the number one driver of work. Do you know why you keep toying? Because you don't care about your company. You care about your money. I know, I've lost my popularity. (laughs) You will never see in a million years, Bishop Sono standing outside, hey, hey, pay me, hey, hey. It doesn't work. If there's no money, it will work for free because he cares. That's the genesis of meaningful work. When work is done according to kingdom principle, it removes chaos and establishes order. But these kind of people, the first thing that they have in common, they care. I came tonight to say, let's care about our families. Let's care about our communities again. Let's care about our nation. Let's care about our continent. This is the chaos we live in. He travels as much as I do. For you to go to Algeria, you have to go to Europe to come down. For you to go to Morocco, you have to go to the Middle East and come back because there's no direct flight from Johannesburg to another country in Africa. But you know how many flights we have to London? Now, the, the issue with those flights, they are not SAAs. It's British Airways. It's Virgin. So every, every time a black man gets into those flights to go to another African country via Europe, Money goes to Europe. The problem is we don't care. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm here. Show me a family that cares. I'll show you a family that works. Because when you begin to care, you will do something about it. Number two, to transform chaos into order, not only you need to care, but you need creativity. Would you turn to your neighbor? I know COVID is still lingering, but uh, it's, it's, it's not in this premise. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, your head is not a toy, it's a tool. Use it. That's what it is. Nothing changes until we replace muscles with brain. People with brain will always earn more than people with muscles. Can I talk freely? and then we will make up for whatever mess I've created, right? <laughs> it's it's the explosion, I'm exploding. <laughs> Listen, all of you educated African, I want us to think, why are we, are we sending our sons and our daughters to do engineering for four to five years? But when it comes to making roads, they bring Chinese. I guarantee you, every building you see in CBD, they are fingers of black people. But you know what the money never went to them? They use muscle. Some people use brains. Work never starts with muscles. It starts with brains. When God saw chaos, he didn't jump into doing stuff. He thought, how do I turn this thing around? Yeah. We, we travel through Africa. Africa is a funny place. We buy four-wheel drive. Not because they're fancy, but because you want to avoid potholes. So, instead of fixing roads, we go higher. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on! And then, when you live in that environment, if you're not careful, it gets you. I have seen so many times those four-wheel, you know, things, SUVs. And I began to think, for me to drive a car, that is worth being a car, it has have to be a SUV. And I go to Mercedes and say, I need one for me. And thank God, you know, the owner of Mercedes Cape Town was a friend. And he goes, Bishop, tell me, are you going to be going off-road? You know, like in a, in a bush over the weekend. I go, no, 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 it's for town. I say, but if it's for town, why are you buying that, not this? We rather buy taller than fix down there. But the problem is, your grandma doesn't have an SUV. She relies on public transport. Now, what you don't know, by leaving the road in the state where they are, you are creating extra expense for your family. Because when your mama, your grandma is sick, someone has to pay. And you are the breadwinner. Why don't we think? So therefore, I'm thinking, Jesus sees this blind man. And he goes, this is chaotic. It cannot continue the way it is. The guy is suffering, his dad and mama guilty, people don't understand, we must do something about it. And God sees chaos. And he goes, it cannot continue this way, I must fix it if it has to work. I'm asking you, when you see chaos, what should you do? So, if you care, you will work. If you're creative, you're working. But the third thing, if you want to see meaningful work, is commitment. Your level of work is totally dependent on the commitment you have to the thing. So Jesus is thinking. It's not the first time. Jesus is a thinker. He goes, wait a minute. We must work until we cannot work anymore. Because we are committed to fixing humanity. Tonight's my exhortation to us is the body of Christ. In the middle of a crisis of this level in a nation and the nations of the world, it's time for the church to get to work. It's time for the church to get to work. Gone are the days to wake up early, to go to bed late, only to make money. And the more you make money, the more you serve debt. You will think when you make 100,000 rand, your problems are finished. But you create problems of a million. What's wrong with your three-bedroom house? This place is too small now. You didn't put on weight. You are the same guy, same lady. What's wrong with you? Because if you work at a low level, you become a consumer, not a contributor. Do you know why 99% of our churches are struggling financially? It's not because people cannot give. But people are not able to give because they're too much in debt. I know where your anger towards tithe is coming from. (laughs) The bills you're paying. Because you have turned work into something less than what God has intended work to be. In God's thoughts, when people begin to work, they are chasing every chaos and replacing it with order. We should be seeing order around you. We cannot start with a streets if we don't start with our homes. We cannot start you for homes if we don't start you for bedrooms. Yeah. Can you find your black skirt <laughs> during this, you know, Lord shedding? If a light goes off, are you able to pick up these socks belong to there, these shoes belong to there, this suit generally is there, or it's chaos? Can someone come to your house and you open your bedroom without being ashamed? Because work in God's economy is removing chaos and replacing with order. And this is the point of order, not not parliament. (laughs) Order simply means everything is there and it's in its right place. Nothing is missing in your life, it's just misplaced. Let's rush, let's rush. Time, time is against us. And you wish a stop. But it won't work. <laughs> so the first thing which we said about work is transforming chaos into order. But the second thing, if you want to see meaningful work, it is transforming human potential into practical reality. You will get it. When you see work for real your potential have to become real. I am tired of hearing that Africa is potentially the richest continent. And then we have a way of saying it in a good, you know, in a good but crazy way. We are the richest continent. The future of this world is Africa. We are dying now. (laughs) Our young people are, you know, the population is 18, 20. But what are we turning them into? Can I talk? For real. We landed today. Right. You can tell. I just came from landing. And then this young lady, uh, seeing from where she was coming from, she, she came from another class. And as she walks, she's wearing everything Louis Vuitton, shoes, bag, this. Viton, 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 Viton. And I'm thinking to myself, you cannot be wearing Louis Vuitton in economy class. Something is wrong. Come on. Can we talk? Can we talk? We will never be rich until something begins to change in us. Why are we convinced it have to carry some French name, some Italian name, some Chinese name for it to be valuable? Why? I know class, right? I really know class, for real. People who wear Louis Vuitton for real should never be taking public transport. Never. with Louis Vuitton? No. But not now. He was still a student. For God's sake, wear jeans and flip-flops, go to school. theology of work is a dangerous theology. If in the process of working, your life, your heart doesn't change, you haven't worked yet. Because work doesn't change the other person first. Work changes you. So, I'm learning that as I begin to work in a meaningful way, wherever I am, the question should be, what is the state of my environment after my intervention? Is it cleaner because I'm here? Is it nicer because I'm here? It is peaceful because I'm around? It's not just a message for individuals it's for churches why do we have so many churches and so many so much killing Why did you multiply church everywhere there are churches and the more we have churches the more hatreds and there was silence in the house when you work according to God the first thing that is affected is your heart (laughs) Nehemiah is a nice guy but he began to weep people Because his heart could not take injustice. What is happening to you when injustice is promoted? What is happening to you when tribalism becomes the norm? We have graduated from racism to tribalism now. Look around you. This is a super mega church. How do you know all the people from your tribe in this environment? How do you know it? That one is Zulu too. You see the one sitting at the back? She is ours. Really? A church of this size, you are going to unearth all the Zulus. Because when you work, work works on you. Changes you. We can go on and on. We don't have time for it. But listen, if you, you work for real, the first thing that happens, you begin to respect money. Because you know what it costs to get it. Hello? Money is neutral. It's just a revealer of your character. That's all. Not only it affects your heart, but it affects your head too. Because if you work according to kingdom principle of work, you begin to think differently. But third, it affects your hand. You begin to choose what to touch, what not to touch. Hello? Are we together? So, let's see how we can land this plan. I'm learning that the tests of quality work is to respond to the question, what is the state of my environment after my intervention? For my environment to change, the kind of work I have to do, have to chase chaos, replace it by, with order. But two, in the process of working, I must become a better person, smarter person, laborious person. Those are kingdom stuff. Let me try the last one on you if you can take it. Work, biblically speaking, the third thing it does is transforming our communities into oases of hope. That's the third thing. Every time people begin to work properly, hope begins to come. The hopeless go because of what they are doing. It's doable, it's feasible, it can change. Are you with me? Let me tell you this. The tests and the real definition of work, biblically speaking, and in God's economy, is a simple and small word. Service. That's all. You want to know if you're working? Check who are you serving. You missed what you should have, you know, clapped for the Lord. It's so simple that I'm even ashamed. That the test of work, kingdom speaking, is service. Why do we serve people to create shalom? Oh, thank you for that week, amen. Let me try again. Why do we serve humanity to create shalom? A this way, nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. People are reconciled. Dad and mom are looking forward to seeing each other after hours. Children are coming home because they know they will not starve. The child next door will not be devising things to jump on the fence and steal because we serve Humanity. Brothers and sisters, that's a little story tonight. Every place you see chaos, God is inviting you to work. Every place. Every time you work, ask God that you become a better person a little bit more. But third, check in your space. How many people is your life touching? We should change our prayers from touch me, Lord, to Lord, help me touch somebody. I think that's what you need to do. My bishop knows me enough. When I love you, I love you for real. And I'll stick with you through thick and thin. I will be the last to leave when everybody have left you. That's me. But these men have impressed me. When we were the nobodies. He just loved us. You have never run 4,000-member church. It makes you feel Jesus. When he came, he had already four thousand members. He entered the space. The first shock: the host begin to kiss you. I think he must worried. What is this thing? Number two, we pick him from the airport in a buggy. A driver, myself, and him in the center. First time. <laughs> Three, we get to church. In the middle of preaching, he's running a seminar. They tell us we cannot use that room anymore. We have to go to the upper room. The guest speaker takes loudspeakers on his head to move them. Four, because you couldn't afford hotel, we put him in a. Apartment of a student, and I didn't know that there were these bags that are in mattress. How do you call them, <laughs> doctor? You know those names. And then poor guy, because he's so light of complexion, in the morning is red everywhere. <laughs> you, know. you have never seen a red preacher. I saw him. <laughs> but you know why? Our presiding bishop kept coming. Not to get money. Because he understood. I've come to work. Let me serve these people. Let me serve these people. Tonight my prayer. As the bishop comes up to lead us in, in prayer or close. It for you to pray tonight. Lord wherever I show up. Let me show up to serve.